Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider issuing a request for proposals seeking bidders to buy or lease the former Sitka Community Hospital building. The Assembly began to consider a sale after the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH, expressed interest in purchasing the property. SEARCH currently leases the building to house its long-term care unit. This spring, the city held two town halls to receive public input on a possible sale. In late April, it reviewed an earlier draft of the RFP that didn't include a property value assessment. Tonight, the Assembly will review the full RFP on first reading and may go behind closed doors to discuss the appraisal of the hospital building and land. The group will also review the city's budget for the next fiscal year on first reading. The final versions of the General and Enterprise Fund budgets were published earlier this month, but the Assembly and city staff have been holding regular budget meetings since December. It's been an unusual budget cycle, with uncertainty around the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact a second slow tourist season will have on the city's bottom line. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Sitka's COVID count increased again over the last week, but the city's alert level remains low. Between May 2nd and May 9th, Sitka reported four new coronavirus infections, according to city data. A young woman between 10 and 19 years old, a man in his 30s, and a man and woman both in their 50s tested positive for the virus. Three of the patients are residents whose cases are travel-related. The fourth is a non-resident patient. Her case is tied to community spread. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Sitka has recorded 369 coronavirus cases. Six of those cases are active, according to city data. At least two recent cases in Sitka are connected to a COVID outbreak in Ketchikan following a high school wrestling tournament. Last week, the Ketchikan EOC reported a case each at Sitka and Mount Edgecombe High Schools. KCAW spoke with Sitka School District Superintendent John Holst, who says one Sitka High School wrestler tested positive for COVID after the April 23rd tournament. The student has since recovered and returned to class. Several of the wrestlers' close contacts were quarantined, and all of them tested negative. In an email to KCAW, public health nurse Grace Roller says that the positive patient at Mount Edgecombe High School is now out of isolation and close contacts have been cleared. She says MEHS recently reported another case that is unrelated to wrestling. Roller says that some of Sitka's recent travel-related cases are connected to Ketchikan's outbreak as well. Ketchikan was reporting 67 active cases late last week, fueled by several clusters of the virus. The Admiralty Island village of Angoon has received nearly $2 million in federal funding to build a visitor center. The relief money is meant to combat economic impacts brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. As KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports, local leaders hope it will boost a homegrown cultural tourism industry. Angoon doesn't get big cruise ships, even in non-pandemic times. But they still normally see a small but steady stream of tourists in the summer. There are a handful of fishing lodges and a couple of small boats bringing visitors to the island community of around 500. 
there aren't a lot of services for the visitors who do come, which is one of the reasons local leaders applied for funding to build a visitor center, says Melissa Kukesh. You know, a place for people to go, a place for people to be able to get coffee or a small snack, you know, while they're in town and having restrooms available. Because that's one of the things that we don't have in the community is a place, you know, basically that can house all of those things. Kukesh is the board chair for Kutsnuu Incorporated, Ingun's local native corporation. She says Kutsnuu, the city, and Ingun's tribal government have been working together for the past couple of years to figure out what a community-led eco- and cultural tourism industry could look like locally. They found out at the end of April that they'd received a competitive $1.78 million grant from the Economic Development Association, or EDA. They'll use the money to build a 2,000-square-foot visitor and retail center, which Kukesh says could also serve as a cultural hub for the community. I'm excited about the opportunity to have, you know, dance groups in a visitor center performing, but also learning, being able to learn their songs, learn the history of the songs, being able to sell, you know, items that they've made and that they worked really hard on, you know, with beading, weaving, carving. So far, Ingun is one of nine Alaska grantees to receive a piece of the $1.5 billion allocated to the EDA from the CARES Act to help communities hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Other grantees include the Alaska Travel Association and a workforce development program in Fairbanks. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development Craig Burstadi says the need in Angoon is great. The 24-month unemployment rate is more than double the national average. So many communities have been hit hard, uh, particularly in travel and tourism, uh, but Angoon especially. But it's not just local need that made their application stand out. He says they also demonstrated strong community support and a lot of potential. It has a great natural asset in its geography, the land, the water, and it has been attracting tourists for some time. And we just want to build on that capacity with a new visitor center to hopefully not just continue to bring tourists, but but bring more of them and more frequently. Kukesh says this is just one piece of a broader effort to grow local tourism. The community has also received funding to expand a trail and create an app-based cultural and historical walking tour, for example. She says it's not only an opportunity to bring economic development to Angoon, it's a chance to share the natural beauty and local culture with the world. Being able to tell the history, but also just telling it from our perspective and, you know, the resiliency of our community and how we're still there and, you know, just trying to thrive and flourish and be able to tell our story from our perspective. House lawmakers have added money to the budget to reopen the Alaska Department of Fish and Games office in Wrangell that's been closed since last year. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, it's uncertain whether the funds would be vetoed again by the governor. People hunting and fishing in and around Wrangell either have to access fishing game services online or make trips by boat or plane off the island to Petersburg, about 50 miles away. Wrangell's fishing game office closed in July of last year. But earlier this month, Alaska's House approved a budget that includes the $66,000 it costs to run and staff a state fishing game office in Wrangell. Ketchikan Independent Representative Dan Ortez sits on the subcommittee that initially approved restoring the funding. He says it's unreasonable to ask hunters and fishermen to travel off the island for permits and services. I heard loud and clear that trying to 
uh, obtain a tag for moose after a successful hunt on um, the Stikine. You know, that's become now requires a, a trip to Petersburg. When Wrangell's office closed in 2020, one employee was relocated to Petersburg. The other, Kim Fisher, was laid off. She says whenever she's around town or down at one of the harbors, she gets into conversations with Wrangellites she used to serve when she worked at Fish and Game. She says some complain about the hassle of trips to Petersburg, but some are hurt by the lack of in-person access in other ways. There are still people, maybe just in Alaska, maybe just in Southeast, that don't have a computer. A lot of people don't have a printer because they only have a phone for their connection to the world. So they can't even print to get their, their permits that are required by the law. Wrangell's Fish and Game Advisory Committee opposed the closure. Committee Chair Chris Guggenbickler says he believes it's a bit hypocritical of the state to ask hunters and fishermen to comply with strict regulations and then make it hard to follow the rules. For the state to put a requirement on that you've got to, you know, have this bear or this wolf sealed within a certain timeline and then not really be accessible. And then, you know, to be able to do that, you know, the hindrance on the hunter to go to another community at a time when nobody really wants you traveling back and forth to another community. I mean, it's really, yeah, it's just not right. Guggenbickler says the U.S. Forest Service in Wrangell stepped up to take some moose racks last year. But he says he doesn't see it as much of a savings if the state ends up making a federal agency fill its shoes. Representative Ortez says he's optimistic that the nearly $70,000 in funding to restore Wrangell's fishing game office will make it through the Senate. But even if that happens, its success isn't assured. That's because lawmakers added the money in last year only to have it vetoed back out by Governor Dunleavy's red pen. In Wrangell... I'm Sage Smiley. A raw fish tax that's pumped tens of millions of dollars into coastal communities has survived a legal challenge before Alaska's highest court. The state can tax seafood caught in federal waters, then loaded on a bulk carrier at the dock for foreign export without violating provisions of the U.S. Constitution. That's according to the Alaska Supreme Court, which released its 31-page ruling on Friday. Fisherman's Finest, a large Washington state seafood company that operates factory trawlers and exports most of its product overseas, had challenged the state's tax in court. It argued that there are protections against state taxation on shipping in coastal state waters, and a lower court agreed. But the justices, writing in a unanimous opinion, found that the fees assessed on Fisherman's Finest products are not, quote, opportunistic taxation of vessels that pass through Alaska waters without benefiting from local services. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning.